Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds. Yes, Shedheads, you have found your place, your home, your destination for the week as we prepare for rounds two and three of the NRL and AFL. Look at that, I put a little bit of ambiance in the voice right there to get us going. Welcome, Shedheads. I hope you had a great week up to this point. I hope you enjoyed last week's action. And I hope you're coming down from the Sioux fight from Minneapolis. I know some of you down under are still very excited about uh, the comeback, the late rounds that he put in to actually stay unbeaten. But I'm not here really to talk about boxing. You know, we talk about a little mixed martial arts occasionally on Outside the Sheds. But our, 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 our niche is rugby league and Aussie rules football. So let's get to where we're supposed to be. And I, and I know this was the week of Buddy after the great Lance Franklin kicked his thousandth goal for the Swannies. But uh, let's start with the 40-20, and then we'll bring it back to Buddy here in the near future. Now, we know that we talked that there were some huge rivalries from this round that just finished in round three. And I think that we kind of got what we were hoping for. And then, in some ways, we didn't see some right crosses coming that landed right on the chin for some teams. But... Starting off with one of those right crosses was the Sharks' utter destruction of the Dragons, 36-12. Nico Hines once again showing that he may be the buy of this offseason. I know it's early on. The, the folks up in the Hunter would say that would be Dane Gagai. But I've, you've got to say, you know, they always say that Nico Hines even looks the pot, mate, with his long hair and, and all, and, and, and it all slicked back, looking like, like Bodie from Point Break with that rainstorm they played in uh, down in uh, the match. But Nico Hines has been playing some incredible footy. And I think the scary thing about him is, yes, he played he played halfback in the lower grades. But to, 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 to do what he's doing right now, um, really in only his second season fully, and he wasn't even a full season last year in that position with the Storm, this this guy might be special. He may be beyond special. And Cronulla might have just fallen, or I should say, he may have just fallen into their lap, even though they paid for him, uh, to being a cornerstone player for the franchise. Warriors 16, Tigers 12. In a match that even coach Nathan Brown has no idea how the Warriors won the match. And that, to me, just tells you how the Tigers can lose the match. Don't forget, I did say that Madge would make it through the first four rounds of the season. So we'll see if a demolition tonight at the hands of the Gold Coast Titans, if it happens, uh, starts putting some things in motion going forward. Rabbitohs 28, Rooster 16. In the grudge match of the round, I know the Battle of Queensland might say something otherwise. But wow, I, I did not see the bunnies drubbing the the chookies the way they did. I, I just did not see the roosters going down the way they were going to. And it really brings into question to me if Robbo's 
push to take the emotion out of the game so the guys wouldn't get too high about the Joey Manu injury last season, if that really had a negative effect on the Roosters. And I think it probably did because I was waiting to see Jared Hargraves or, or Victor the Inflictor just take some shots in the match. And we didn't get that at all. And I think that needed to happen. And I think when the match finished up, a lot of us were sitting there going, huh, okay. It was just very anticlimactic. And, and I just did not see it playing out that way. But Latrell shined. And that's what you do when all the, all the chips are in the middle of the table. Everybody's allegedly coming to take your head off. You step up and you play. And Latrell's not even in the greatest of shape right now. I think when we see Latrell in rounds 8, 9, and 10, I think he'll be rounding into form a little bit more. But he was blowing. He was blowing some wind out there uh, in that match. But again, what does he do? He steps up in the big-time moment and gets a try. Panthers 38. Knights 20. Well, Yoshida Damas misses that one. Because uh, I thought the Knights were going to go in there and really do some... Really going to make a statement case for, for why they were going to be pushing... Uh, this year to make the eight, which I still do think they'll make the eight. But it really shows me, even without Nathan Cleary, the Panthers are just elite, plain and simple. They're elite, uh, and they're not going anywhere. And with uh, some things we're going to be talking about here uh, when we get into further detail about the round and the upcoming round, uh, wow, I think the rest of the league is in trouble. Eels 28, Storm 24. The Eels continue to have that hoodoo over the storm. And not many teams can say that against Belly Aches boys. But but the Eels really seem to just just really make them uncomfortable. They kind of unsettle uh, the storm. And, and I don't know what it truthfully is, but they definitely have that effect on them. And again, uh, freak occurrence, a, a Moses kick. You know, a, a, a Ray Stone run, and next thing you know, again, the Eels get a victory over the Storm. Raiders 24, Titans 22. This was the game that should have taken me over the 50-50 margin for my picks this week. Thank you, Gold Coast, for giving up a 22-point lead and looking like you were running away with it. Uh, and then getting caught from behind and not having a kick to catch back up. Because the Raiders and Ricky's boys uh, came back and ripped one that they should have not had any chance of winning, but they did. And that's why you have to play all 80 minutes. That's why you have to just complete the job at hand. And that is, I think that's going to be a blow that's going to hurt two things. One, it's going to hurt the Titans' pride. And two, it's probably going to hurt the Tigers' faces because I think Justin Holbrook's boys are here to make a statement uh, to start this coming around. Cowboys 38, Broncos 12. Again, this again might have been another one of those matches that I did not see coming. I thought the Broncos were going to be in form. I thought we've seen a Cowboys team that has been all right one week, not all right the other week. And Chad Townsend and those guys put together a masterclass. They put together something that I think now has the Cowboys in second spot on the table. I don't know if they're going to stay there. I probably would predict they're not going to stay there. But some good, good signs came out of there. And Valentine Holmes, wow. Valentine Holmes started to look like 
the Valentine Holmes before the New York Jets tried to ruin a professional athlete. Uh, Valentine Holmes, don't forget, before he left, was one of the key members of that Cronulla Sharks team that won the grand final in 16. And he's starting to look like he's getting that step back. So, uh, huge, huge, huge win for the Cowboys over the Broncos. And then finally, to kick off the round, the Sea Eagles kicking in Brookvale with some new lush seats win a game in the SOG 13-12 over the over the Bulldogs. DCE once again letting that boot do, do what it does. And that is just, that was really uncomfortable, wasn't it? Anyway, do the, the, the magic golden boot of DCE again propelling the Sea Eagles to another victory, uh, getting that, that, that big kick to help them finally get in the win column. Now, I know the talking point of the round was the Mitch Barnett reckless elbow to Penrith Chris Smith. Uh, a, a shot that, if you listen to some pundits talk about it, was not. He was guilty 100% around, but some people were trying to say that it was an accident. I don't see it as an accident. I don't know if he wanted to be as malicious as it turned out to be. Because don't forget, Chris Smith is not playing this coming round uh, because of concussion. And Mitch Barnett gets six games, a six-game suspension. And I think it was warranted. I think I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have had a problem if he would have got eight games. I definitely wouldn't have given him any less than six because I think that was warranted with that type of a hit. No matter if, uh, you know, Paul Kent's saying that his elbow slipped off as as he was going for the chest... I, you know, you just have to be careful. And in this day of age of kind of a watered-down rugby league that the NRL is kind of turning itself into, you cannot allow a hit like that to really be as much in the forefront as like, wow, did you see that? And it was. It was one of those hits that you had to come down on, uh, and they did. Um, so they got, at least got one right for the week, and we will leave that, how should we say, rotating out in the atmosphere with that last statement. I want to go back to Ray Stone because to me in one of the most heartfelt raw moments of the round of maybe of the season so far and then at the same time the most gut-wrenching tries of the season and it's not often that we can say that that a try is both of those things but we got that with the Ray Stone try because in Golden Point uh, Mitchell Moses does a kick, I think he thinks it's going to go through. If you watch his reaction, hits the post, comes off the post, Ray Stone is somehow right there, picks it up, puts a right foot step down, and his knee goes with that right foot step. And in in the try zone he goes, lays down the try, and then instantly grabs for his knee. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it in the time that I've watched Rugby League. And... The crazy thing is, is when his teammates start running up to him to celebrate, you know, they're usually going to pile on him, right? And they instantly all start stopping and and waving towards the trainer to come out there because they know he's in strife. They know he's in in bad shape and they know it's probably not good. Uh, And the look on his face of, wow, I probably just played my last game for the Eels, uh, really told you a lot. But again, it, it just shows you the heart of some of these players because... I don't know how many people 
continue to, to, to put downward force and finish out the try when their knee breaks. I, I've had a, an ACL reconstruction. I've blown my knee out before. And so much goes through your mind and your body when that happens where you just kind of lose you lose all reasoning. You kind of lose all what you're actually out there doing. Uh, you know, you've seen players just drop the ball, and and I, I think I even dropped the ball when it happened. I think I fumbled. I, I don't remember. But I do know that because the, the first thing you want to do is grab down for your knee, right? Uh, because something just happened, and it felt like something exploding when it went off for me. But, um, but it was an awesome try. It's just too bad that we've now seen the last of Ray Stone for the Eels uh, and that his season is now complete. Now, speaking as we lead into that, as we go into the injury ward, we all know now that Ray Stone is out. Another big thing that is not a quote-unquote injury, but Trent Robinson will not be coaching this week because of COVID. He's in COVID protocol. Uh, he will not be with the Chooks in a match that's going to be very much needed, I think. A match that's going to be one, I think, that's going to come down to the wire uh, up in Townsville. Uh, and I and I really, this could be not a good start for the Roosters. Now, they do have Robbo. They do have Tedesco. They have some incredible players. We know what this, this team is for. You know that I picked them to win the grand final this year. But I think it's going to be a tough task for them to go up to Townsville, and especially without Trent Robinson as the coach being there. But also, like I said, Ray Stone, ACL for the season. Jack Hetherington, the hard man for the Bulldogs. Kind of got it done to him a little bit. Shoulder, uh, they actually had some bone damage in that shoulder injury that he has. He's going to have surgery, and that's Jack Hetherington's season. Stefano Utakamanu for the Tigers uh, has an ankle osmosis, I think. Is, I'm saying that probably wrong. Uh, Mrs. Shedadamas probably would not like me misspelling that. But it's probably a two-month injury that he's going to have to work through because of that that knee problem, excuse me, that ankle uh, surgery that he's going to have. And then Cody Ramsey, the, 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 the guy whose mother you wouldn't want to get in a cussing match with, um, Cody Ramsey, hamstring, he's definitely out for this round. And going forward, they're going to have to continue to do scans and check on that hamstring to see what is going to happen. So some key injuries uh, for teams. Um, some guys that will definitely be missed, uh, but we'll have to see going forward what that means for these clubs. Now, I think you already know, we've talked that this was going to happen. Round four, here it is. Uh, you know, Nathan Cleary is back. And I don't think it could happen any sooner. It probably could happen last round. But I don't think for the stage that he's coming back on, it could be even any bigger. Because he's coming back in a grand final rematch against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And it's going to be incredible to see because South Sydney already has come out saying that they're going to test the shoulder. They're going to test Nathan Cleary. They're going to push Nathan Cleary to see where he's actually at physically. Uh, and I know the Panthers are up for it. I know Cleary, the type of player he is, is all about bringing it on in that situation. But I think this sets up for a key, key match that we're going to see this round uh, that I've got. You know, I, If this does not have you salivating, I don't know what's wrong with you. You really cannot say you're a fan 
of the NRL if this match doesn't have you going because the way Latrell was looking uh, in that Roosters match, uh, they're back on strike now. uh, And Dylan Walker still has not, um, excuse me, Cody Walker. Sorry, Sorry, Dylan. Cody Walker still has not even played up to his potential yet that we know that he can play for. I think this match is going to be cracking. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see which team actually steps to the forefront because uh, I think a lot of people have had both these teams finishing in the top four and it's going to be maybe a test of will to see who's going to come out more more mental than physical. Now, going back into Origin, I know we're still a few months away from Origin. Uh, Billy Slater has named two new coaches. I don't know possibly if you guys might have heard of their names. Let me see. A guy by the name of Cameron Smith. And Jonathan Thurston. I I don't know if that means anything to any of you. That's right. Queensland legends. Maroons legends. Uh, It looks, again, like Queensland's going to do it one way. And that is they're going to circle the wagons and they're going to keep it in-house. And and, and I think Billy Slater's going to do a fine job for Queensland. I don't know if he's got the, the, the hosses and the horses to really compete to what, what the Blues have and what the Blues, I think, have in place for the next five to ten years. But they're Queenslanders, right? And they seem to always find a way to feel that if if they need to rise the occasion, they can. And I can't think of three better coaches than to come together to try to bring that out of a club that probably will not be favored in the Origin Series for the next few years. But I think these guys together... Uh, if you you know looking at how Cameron Munster is looking right now, besides that haircut that he had, I don't know if you guys have seen the footage of Cameron Munster. He shaved his head, uh, but he left the mullet in the back for a little bit, and he was shaking it around. It may be one of the most troublesome images that I may have ever seen. Uh, but Brayton Asa made sure he put in his agent uh, that he made sure he got the rest of it cut off. But. I think if he's back on strike and playing well for the Maroons, you know, you got to have to think if Kalen Pong is healthy. They're going to have a say in the series, just like Queensland always does. But I think they've got the coaches in place now to do something with that squad and that side. Now, let's get into these picks for round four. I am excited about this. I, I think we're going, you know, we, 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 we broke even with the picks, thank you, Gold Coast, again for dropping the ball for me. But we're going to start off tonight with a match that I know most of you are not too excited about. Tigers, Titans. And I, again, like I just said earlier, this could be an ugly, 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 ugly match. You know, with all the, 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 the rumors coming out that Luke Brooks wants out, that he just he's done with the Tigers... Uh, so you've got a you got a halfback who's supposed to steer his club around who doesn't want to be there. Jackson Hastings is still a few weeks out because of suspension. Adam Dewey isn't even on the horizon yet because we have no idea how he's healing up. This could be a beatdown that we have not seen for a while. So I think I might have tipped my hand there. We're going Titans in that one. Friday night, we've got Knights versus the Sharks. Uh, I am going with Nico Hines. I'm staying on that Nico Hines train. I think the Sharks have got something brewing. I think that they've got a special season in store. 
Uh, I definitely think they're going to be a top eight squad. And I think the Knights, uh, still not any word of Pongas playing or not, but I'm taking the Sharks in that one. Rabbitohs versus the Panthers. The rematch, as we can say, of the grand final. Uh, I think with the emotion of Nathan Cleary still playing at the, at the foot of the Blue Mountains, I think there's no way that I'm not taking the Panthers, especially after not taking them last week and getting my, you know what, handed to me for that. I'm going Panthers. And then Broncos and Warriors finishing out Friday night. I've got to tell you, even though the Warriors somehow found a way to beat the Broncos, excuse me, to beat uh, the Tigers last week, I do not see them having it in them to beat the Broncos, especially with the performance the Broncos had last week. I don't see um, Kevy letting his guys not be 100% focused in trying to put a statement together, game together against the Warriors, so I'm taking the Broncos there. Saturday, Raiders versus the Seagulls. I think in that quagmire that the Seagulls played in, I think that that might have kick-started the, the process, the Desi's back process, and I think the Seagulls get right, and I think that they beat the Raiders. Roosters and Cowboys. This is the one to me that is the 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 match the the match the game of the round whatever you want to say that I that you could make a point a case for both teams of why they're going to win but for me I think a hundred percent I'm going with Cowboys it's up in Townsville uh, Robbo's not going to be there because of COVID and I just think that this team is really angling themselves up for a real run to finish in the top eight. And I think the Cowboys are going to hold serve as home, and they're going to beat the Chooks. Which, again, starts making you ask some real questions uh, as, as, as the City Roosters will be 1-3 to start the season if this happens. Sunday, Bulldogs versus the Storm. Josh Adokar back against his former mates. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I've got the Storm winning that. Nick Meany uh, trying to get a little revenge himself. And then Dragons versus the Eels. I don't know how you do not pick and go with Mitchell Moses and Kil and Gutho and the boys to beat the Dragons. I've got the Eels winning that. So that rounds out our 40-20 for the week. Now, I told you earlier that this, yes, the Latrell joey Manu uh, drama, I guess soap opera that was going on there was some part of this week's competition but to me the real I don't know diamond of it all diamond of it all is easily as we go into on the mark Buddy Franklin kicking his thousandth goal we're going to go into detail about that uh, in a little bit but the AFL was on fire I think a lot of people were circling that match hoping that Buddy got it done but it didn't start off there. It started off, to me, with the other huge news story on the AFL to start the, the season. And that is the Carlton Blues taking it to the dogs, 102-90. Colonel McKay leading this magical side as they continue to, again, defy the odds under Vossi. Uh, and they start the season 2-0, which your Shedadama's pick, by the way. Swans 107, Cats 77, again, the Buddy Franklin Show. Um, we're going to talk about that here in a second.
Magpies 100, Crows 58. The prison bars, 2-0. And we know in the AFL there's probably not a more passionate, in-your-face fan base than the Collingwood Magpies. And it's been a while since they've had a lot to scream about and to cheer about, but a 2-0 start is going to help them find voice. Lions 97, Bombers 75. Uh, Lockie Neal and the Lions blowing out the Bombers. Uh, you really start to wonder what's going on at Essendon. Uh, you hope that it doesn't get too too gone, too easy, too early, that they can't recover, but not a good start for the Bombers season. Hawks 120, Power 56, another match that I really want to talk in depth about, uh, but Chad Wingard kicks two. Demons 82, Sun 69, Yashet Adamas going with those upstart Suns didn't work out for me. Um, but again, I, I think there's a lot of good to be seen out of the Gold Coast Sun so far. Ruse 74, Eagles 59. I did not see this. I again picked the Eagles, but I think that really shows you how wayward and how off the Eagles are right now. And they are in COVID strife right now. COVID's going through that team. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, the West Coast Eagles, but I will tell you this right now. Those Ruse those Roos are 1-1. One one. Tigers 109, Giants 73. Even without Dusty, the yellow and black getting the win column. Uh, and again, gold, you know, the Greater Western Sydney questions to be asked. And then finally, finishing it out, the round, Saints 65, Doctors 55. Uh, a blessed win for the Saints in the West Coast. So... Some big, big matches there. Again, going six for eight. Quite proud of the picks this week uh, for the AFL. But I want to go into the talk of the round, and that's Lance Franklin doing something that only six other players have ever done in the VFL and AFL, and that's kicking a 1,000 goals. A lot of people think that that may never happen again. You know what happens. When anybody says that, you know it. it's probably going to happen. But... Who knows how long will it be? And it might not even be in my lifetime. But seeing that magical moment when Buddy did that, it, it, it's something, you know, it's one of those moments when you watch it, you're like, wow, I got to see that. And it was that magical. Um, Lance lined it up and drilled it. I'm saying, Buddy, and, I, and I'm a huge Buddy Franklin fan. I actually have a Buddy, I don't know what you would call it. I guess it was a, a T-shirt. It is a t-shirt, but it's like it's got his, a portrait of him in the front. It's got Franklin on the back. And the career this guy's had, I'm saying a couple seasons ago, people didn't know would he ever be back. You know, some injuries were starting to really plague him. And there was a lot of question marks about him going forward. But if you look at, at, at Buddy right now, he looks incredible. It's probably some of the best shape I've seen Lance Franklin in for a while. And I think that he's being rewarded with the hard work that he's putting in getting to this plateau that a lot of people questioned if he might be able to make it because of, of how his body was breaking down for him. Um, but the also the cool thing was, I guess kind of cool, it kind of creeped me out too, was watching all of those people rushing the field. And if, you, if, you've, if you've heard some talk, some Geelong players were not too keen on this. Uh, if you've seen, there's been some footage of, of Geelong players pushing people down, uh, one guy actually pushed somebody down, but helped him find his wallet again. Um, 
in this day and age, it's just, it's just I don't know, the, the field rush with COVID going down and going around, and, and, and don't forget, I know some of you out there might not think COVID's still around. It's still here. Uh, I don't know. I know where I would not be. Your Shed Adamas would not be running out of the field with a bunch of people he didn't know, uh, even though he is a gigantic Buddy Franklin fan. But that will not overshadow the greatness of what we saw. So I definitely want to say congratulations. When you hear about a guy who's one of only six players of doing something in the history of the game, you know you have a magical moment. And congratulations to Buddy Franklin on his his thousandth goal. Now, as we talk positive, I like to yo-yo. I like to yo-yo here on Outside the Sheds. You guys know this. Your Shed Adamas likes to mix it up. I like a little bit of a tussle. I don't like to get knocked down like Sue, but I like to get up and I like to battle back, right? So, heading into round three, we've got a showdown. Showdown, round three, Port Adelaide, Adelaide Crows, Adelaide Oval. Both teams, we'd have to say, are not coming into this match feeling the greatest about themselves. And one of those teams, more than the other, really is not feeling good about themselves, and that's the Port Adelaide power. Because Port Adelaide, like I predicted, would be a a top four side, right? And right now, they're going to battle to be a middle-of-the-pack side because the drubbing they took at the hands of the Hawthorne Hawks and their returning prodigal son, Chad Wingard, two goals for Chad again, big fan of Chad, really has you questioning what's going on with Ken Inkley's boys. Because it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to lose by 64 points at a hallowed ground. Because I told you, one of my coolest things and moments that I've been is when I got the tour of Adelaide Oval. um, Got some great pictures at Adelaide Oval. Uh, It is a magical, magical place for me. And I don't care if you're a Crows supporter. I don't care if you're a Power supporter. The walk into that stadium... Everything about it, me and, and, and the Mr. Shed Adamas, we were on a bike tour. We were actually just riding our bikes around Adelaide, which is one of my favorite cities in the world. And it's a magical place. It's, you know, they have an old school uh, scoreboard there, which I got to go in, all that stuff. But you defend your house, right? And I'm not trying to steal your thunder under armor. You defend your house. And the performance that Port Adelaide put in really has to have you wondering what's going on there. And I know a lot of people are going to say the loss of Alir Alir and 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 Charlie Dixon is making a huge impact on the team. But the problem is, I don't see those two coming back anytime in the near future. Alir Alir, for sure, who is a defensive stalwart for Port Adelaide. And when you're giving up the amount of points that they are doing right now, how the heck... You know, I don't know if Charlie Dixon can can get you the amount of goals needed to make up for that defensive lax that right now the power are having. So there's some real questions. And 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 you know, Travis Boak is still playing like a, a man possessed out there, but it makes me wonder. And I and I I don't understand the whole thing. Uh we're gonna talk about captains here soon uh in the AFL, but I don't understand Travis Boak still not being the captain of Port Adelaide we know that he's probably still a huge voice behind the scenes but for some reason these clubs 
take captaincies away from these guys. And let me let me tell you something. Tom Brady may be 89 years old, but he's still the captain of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Or whatever team he goes to, he's going to be named the captain. All right? there He is a goat of the game. And right now, Travis Boak is a goat for the Port Adelaide power. He, he should be a voice that everybody's listening to, everybody's turning to. The way that he puts in his off-season workouts, I don't know. Because here's the thing. You put that C on somebody else's Guernsey, and the question is, are you really listening to that guy when you've got a guy like Travis Boak that's already in uniform and is playing the way that he's playing? And I'm going to say, no, you're not. So I, I don't know if just calling a guy a captain is going to change your season, but I think Ken Hinckley has a lot to look at. And with the showdown coming out, he better address it very, very quickly. Now, again, let's roller coaster this thing. Because the yellow and black did something a lot of people were questioning. And that is they went and they beat Greater Western Sydney. And we know the rivalry these two clubs have. But the yellow and black getting in the win column, beating beating the Giants, uh, is always a memorable match. But I think the thing that overshadows that memorable match right now is Dustin Martin. And... Right now, Dusty has stepped away from the club. He's been he's been granted personal leave to really sort himself, to figure out where his heart is, to figure out and maybe to mourn more with his father. Because don't don't forget something, Dustin Martin's father got sent back to New Zealand for a little bit of a questionable pass. I'm not going to get into that right now because you know. God rest his soul. He's he's not with us in the living right now. But Dustin Martin's always said that his father was his best friend. Okay? So this is a best friend of yours who has been a key moment. I'm saying you look at the footage of Dusty getting drafted. His dad's right there. Right? So Dustin Martin has always kind of fed off that energy of his father. Right? He's always fed off that energy. And that his dad is not there anymore, but then his dad passed away, not in Australia, but New Zealand. Not where Dustin could get to him within 30 minutes after hearing there might be a problem. And I know how much, how, Dustin Martin isn't that type of guy that's going to really wear his emotion on his sleeve. And the guy, he's very reserved about certain things for as great of a footballer as, as he is. He's also very, very private. And I know how that has to be eating away with him, that his dad has not been able to be there to really take in all these great moments that he's had since he got uh, sent back to New Zealand. And I'm just going to tell you guys a little bit about myself because I, I, I think sometimes one of the beautiful things about Outside the Sheds is that I can open up to you and tell you about certain things. And, you know, I kind of talked in the offseason about the loss of my mother and father. Well, my mom was my best friend, a lot like... Dustin Martin's uh, feeling of his father. And I was an all right quarterback. You know, I, I I could throw the ball. I can spin that thing. I can still spin it, Shedheads. Don't you worry about that. But I was a hell of a miler. I was an incredible miler. And I don't know why. Some people say because I've got, I'm long-winded. I can talk forever. Probably the case. But when my mom passed away, I was one of the top-ranked milers in my state that I lived in. And after I lost her, 
um, before my the you know the track season of my junior year in high school, I had I, I worked really really hard to find that drive and that that will to win, because so much of my so much of my mental prowess was to bring that trophy or that medal back to show it to my mother, you know, and and to, to and, and to see the look in her eye of pride and. And, and 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 just getting that sensation and feeling back from her. And I still to this day remember, um, you know, running and competing those last year and a half uh, or last two seasons uh, in track and field and uh, running the mile. And yeah, I still won more races than I lost, a lot more races than I lost. But it was a different feeling doing it. You know, I, I felt like I was running through the motions um, the joy wasn't really there. You know, I, I had great time with my teammates and my friends, but the joy wasn't there because the whole reason that I loved to compete sometimes was the only person I cared about showing those wins to was my mother, right? So when I see Dustin going through this and that, that there's rumors and rumblings that that he might retire from from Richmond, you know, when he's coming off of a horrible injury that he had, you know, with this kidney laceration from from the, that blow that he took against the Lions last year, you know, there's a lot of factors that are going through these young man's mind. And, you know, Dusty's, you know, almost 30 now. And, you know, you start wondering what you're going to, you know, because rugby, rugby league, Aussie rules football, these are tough, tough sports. And the boys for the AFL, the amount of running they put in, match in and match out, these are elite, 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 elite athletes. And to be elite, sometimes one of the things that you have to be is mentally strong. And you also have to have the same heart with your you with your mindset. And if you don't have both of those things on board, you're just kind of going through the motions. And when you're an elite player like Dustin Martin, it's tough to just go through the motions. So it, it is a, a fascinating story. It's a sad story. Because you you want to see great players go out on their own and to go out on top if they can help it, but to make that decision for themselves. And some of this has that sensation where this doesn't feel like Dustin's being able to make all that decision himself because part of that decision he'd love to do is call his father and ask him, do you think I should should hang up the boots? So um, I'm really, my heart's really out to the guy. I, I really feel for him. Um, I've been there myself. And, and, and not even on the stage that Dustin Martin, you know, nobody was wearing a Corey Jackson jersey or Guernsey or anything like that. But it, it, it will be something I'll be watching because uh, I don't hold Dustin Martin's my favorite player in the, in the AFL. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, and so I would love to see him come back, but I want him to come back because he wants to be back, not because he's pressured. And the, and Richmond is doing an incredible job letting him take the time that he needs to walk away from it, to kind of get his mind straight, kind of get his mind to figure out where he where he wants to be. Um, and hopefully the Tigers team is able to give him the support that he needs to feel like he's not alone. But uh, uh, all prayers with Dustin Martin right now as he's trying to figure out his future going forward. Now, I told you, we're yo-yoing, we're, we're roller-coastering this because if we talk about Dusty going through some tough times and coming to some decisions in his life, we talk about one of the greats. 
And a guy that we're going to have to friend from this point forward, from this weekend, just call the captain. Because he will be Australia's AFL captain. And that's Joel Selwood from the Geelong Cats. Because this weekend, Selwood is going to go off, going to run out on the field to his 277th match as the captain of the Geelong Cats. And he's going to pass Carlton legend Stephen Kerhanen. I probably said it wrong. I'm still going to go with that saying. As a legend. And, and, and something that hasn't been done for 50 years. He's breaking a huge, huge record. And he's putting himself on a stamp in something that may take another 50 years to, to break. Um, but it's awesome to see uh, Joel Selwood year in. Year out, somehow finds a way to lift his level, stay competitive, still keep that hunger, keep that fight. Uh, the guy's been the captain for Geelong since 2012. Uh, you know, he's put the fight in. He's put the war in. Um, and, and like I said, he will go down, if not the greatest, one of the greatest players in Geelong history, just from his tenure, his fight, and his drive with the club. So a big honor uh, will be coming up this weekend. And I'm, I'm happy to see uh, Selwood get this record because I don't think it could happen to a more deserving captain. So congratulations to him. Now let's go into these picks for round three. We start off Thursday night tonight with a huge match. The Swans versus the Doggies. Uh, Beverages boys on the ropes. The Swans flying high right now. And that's why I'm going with the Swans over the Dogs. Friday, Bombers versus the D's. Well, I think the Bombers continue to implode because the D's all the way with that one. And then the showdown, Power versus the Crows. For what I've seen, even though both teams have been in a war uh, and not getting the results they want, I'm going to go with the Adelaide Crows over Port Adelaide. Saturday, Suns versus the Giants. Um, I'm going to go with the Suns. I'm all on the Suns train. I don't know. By no means, I don't think they're by any means lifting any flags this year. But I think they're going to have a great season going with the Suns. Cats in Selwood's big match. Uh, becoming the greatest captain. The longest tenured captain in the AFL. Against a, their rivals, Collingwood Magpies. Both teams playing well. Except for this last round, I guess you could say. But I'm going to take the Cats in an emotional victory for Selwood over the Pies. Ruse versus the Lions. Uh, even though the Ruse have been showing a, definitely a lot more fight this year than they've had in the past, I'm still going with the Brisbane Lions. Hawks versus the Blues. Do we keep serve, Carlton? Do, does, does Vossie's Rangers keep going? And I say they do. I'm taking the Carlton Blues over the Hawthorne Hawks. And then Sunday, two matches. Tigers versus the Saints. I know the Tigers beat Greater Western Sydney. The yellow and black look good doing that. Uh, but I am going to take the Saints in an upset in that one. And then finally, we have the West Coast Showdown. Dockers versus the Eagles. I, I don't know how you could pick the Eagles right now. With their battling with COVID, uh, their poor form, I am definitely taking the Dockers to win that one easily. Now, as we go into the guns... For this last week. I think it's very easy to say who my number one gun is. And that's Lance Buddy Franklin. Four goals. Ten disposals. Nine kicks. One handball. 
seven marks, 200, 285 meters gained. Um, buddy doing buddy things. Four goals, not just hitting a one goal, you know, hey, give me my, my no, four goals uh, in an in, in a epic, epic moment in the AFL, which we'll be watching for years uh, of the fans storming the field to celebrate with Buddy. My number two, a guy that's make going to make himself quite a bit of money, I think, this year, uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Nanai from the Cowboys with his devastating performance he had this weekend. Nanai, three tries, 117 running meters, two tackle breaks, one, 25 tackles made, and 11 kicking meters. Uh, great performance by Jeremiah. And, and they're already starting, starting to... Uh, rumblings about where he might be signing and where he might be playing, um, even though there's a lot of talk that he wants to stay with the Cowboys. But I think that all depends on how well the Cowboys play this year. If they do some incredible things, it's kind of funny how you keep players on your club and on your roster when you're doing some positive things. So uh, that's my number two. And then my number three, you got to give it to him. The other big, besides Lance Franklin, we keep talking about the other big moment of the week, Latrell Mitchell getting his victory and his Rabbitohs getting their victory over their hated rivals, the Roosters. Latrell, one try, four for five on conversions, 135 running meters, four tackle breaks, and six tackles made. Latrell, again, stepping up in the big stage, taking it to his former club. And again, I'm wondering, does this help Latrell really start coming back into the trail that we need to see and really what the the Rabbitohs need and what better team to try that out against than this weekend's match against the Penny Panthers. Now, as we go outside the bubble, not a lot of things going on outside the bubble. I guess over here, the big thing that we're talking about right now is the NCAA basketball tournament is round into the Final Four which everyone thinks is the greatest thing in the world if you're a college basketball fan. The, the, the Final Four is your Christmas, New Year's, St. Paddy's Day, everything rolled up in one package. And we've got some key, key matchups this weekend in the Final Four. Villanova versus Kansas kicks it off. And then the big one, North Carolina versus Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils. Coach K's swan song, his last season Possibly his last game, possibly his last two games, depending on what happens. But I, I, I think the funniest thing about this is Tar Heel Nation knows if they can beat Chashevsky, that means they will beat. They will have beaten Coach K in his last game at home, and then they could be the team to knock Duke and Chashevsky out of the tournament. And, and, and beating him in his last game, man, it wouldn't get any better for Tar Heel Nation. But let's remember one other thing. Right now, Coach Krzyzewski's got a 15-49 record head-to-head against North Carolina. You don't think they would not love to make Krzyzewski's record be 50-50 or 500 against his most hated rival? And I don't know, there's probably not another team that he's got a how should I say, 50% win mark against in the league. So North Carolina has a lot to play for, and that's more than just that national championship that they really want to get. Uh, they have a chance to 
and Krzyzewski, send him off to pasture, and also break even for the guy. So it's that is going to be fascinating. I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't care about either team, truthfully. But when we watch sport, we watch it for epic moments in sport. And this, to me, could be an epic moment. And I think you're going to see two teams leaving it all out on the hardwood uh, this weekend. And then I think the other big story of the week, uh, and this is just kind of starting to break and kind of come to form, is that Tiger Woods played a practice round in Augusta at the Masters yesterday and completed 18 holes. And now it's picking up steam that Tiger, after he walked those 18 holes with his son Charlie and his caddy, may be looking at playing the Masters next weekend, or next Thursday, I guess, uh, and, and trying to win another green jacket. Um, now, they say that his, his long game, his short game, his game looks strong, the question is how Tiger's repaired leg from that auto accident is going to hold up with him doing walking a pretty pretty difficult track for in the golf world. Walk, walking Augusta. It's pretty hilly. Um, but it looks like he got through it fine. And I think it's going to be a matter of what his doctors think and what they see uh, after looking at scans and, and checking things out to see how the leg is performing, what the swelling is like. Because that's the big thing a lot of you guys probably understand is that they're going to look at the swelling today and tomorrow to see how that leg is reacting to that type of um, extensive uh, trauma, uh, I guess you could say, for it being pushed like that and to perform like that. Now, here's the thing that a lot of people don't know. Tiger trains like there's no tomorrow. So it's not like he is just the first time he's walked a golf course or hasn't put his body through a tough workout. But the thing is, he's got to do that four days in a row. And so I'm interested to see. I would say if I'm a betting guy, which I'm your shit of dumbest, I'm going to say Tiger plays the Masters. Uh, and I think his performance in the Masters will be key in how he continues the rest of his career and how often we see him for the rest of his career. So... Interesting, interesting development, something that we're going to have to monitor for the next week and something we'll be talking about next week's on next week's episode of Outside the Sheds. But until that time, Shedheads, that's going to bring to a close this episode of Outside the Sheds. Uh, I hope you guys are ready to take in some, some big moments to see Selwood, to see some great matches that we've got in store. Uh, I know I'm excited. I want to know tonight if the Tigers get rolled by 30 or 40. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. But until next week, Shedheads, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, Corey Jackson. Until next week. See ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.